Welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome to the Armor Men's Health Show. This is Dr. Mystery, your host here as always, by my office manager, my partner in crime, and my sidekick, mm-hmm. Donna Lee. That's right. I'm a co-host and a board-certified one at that. You know what I don't know? You know, like Batman and Robin, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes if Robin goes and does his own shows <laughs> without Batman... Batman gets jealous. Does that mean that I'm the <laughs> that I'm the sidekick? Yes, you're my b- <laughs> <laughs> Great. Donna, I hope you get to have a lot of our other partners on, on the show at times. Oh, I will. And our, and our wonderful new health coach, Lauren Hagen. That's right. We have an awesome new pelvic floor physical therapist named Mary. Mm-hmm. And just practice continues to grow. This show is brought to you by the urology practice that I started in 2007, NAU Urology Specialist. Mm-hmm. Donna, how do people get a hold of us and where are our office? We are located in Round Rock, North Austin, South Austin, and Dripping Springs, Texas. Our website for this show is armormenshealth.com. And you can send questions there where we will answer them anonymously for Dr. Mystery, for our guests, like we have one today, and our phone number again is 512-238-0762. We have a lot of questions backed up, so after we have our guest on today, we'll have some questions answered. Well, thank you, and please send those questions. We love them. Today, we are honored to have, again, a really good friend of ours, Dr. Doug Rivera. Welcome back. Radiation oncologist. Doug, thank you for joining us again today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Mm -hmm. The urologist and the radiation oncologist are probably the two least favorite doctors a patient ever <laughs> needs to need to go see. Would you agree? Good point. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of plastic surgeons w- where the patient goes in there like really excited about the life that's about to happen, and dermatologists where people are going to finally fix up their acne. But rarely do they go to the radiation oncologist. Super happy to be there. That's true. And most people I meet outside of work are like, "Well, nice to meet you. I hope I never I have hope to meet I you. Never again. have to meet you again." And they say that to me too. I'm always kind of insulted, you know, because of what we do. So, uh, you know, as urologists, we deal with a number of different kinds of cancer. And a lot of those cancers, there's a component or a role for radiation therapy to play. So for us, even testis cancer, bladder cancer, there's no real role for kidney cancer, but prostate cancer for sure. Oftentimes, the radiation oncologist and the urologist play a, a really pivotal role to, to work together. That's right. Yeah, I think when you get prostate cancer, you really need to talk to urologists first, obviously, but also a radiation oncologist a lot of times. So when it comes to radiation oncology, uh, I see a lot of patients that come come to me and when you mention radiation they just totally are like adamantly against any notion of it their dad had it or something happened maybe you could talk to me a little bit about what do you think drives patients kind of apprehension about concept of needing radiation therapy where do some of these myths come from and how have things changed over the years well i think cuz the, radi- the word radiation is such a broad term right the first thing you think of is you know nuclear radiation exposure and that's very very different than what we use for medical purposes. So when we're talking about radiation that we use for lots of different things, actually quite useful. We use it for diagnostic x-rays, which we know has uh, really helped significantly in medical care. But then when it comes to therapeutic radiation, what we're doing really is a more focused, targeted thing. It's not this full body exposure that think people think about with radiation. And there are so many different types. There's types that you implant radioactivity, and there's ones you take pills and the radioactivity goes throughout your body. And then what I primarily do with most of my patients, and particularly for prostate cancer, is using very focused radiation just to a small area. So you have this no or this myth that a lot of people have carried from, you know, the 1960s and radiation bombs and people losing their hair and becoming cachectic and having terrible secondary cancers. And they're kind of carrying that kind of thought process into what's going to happen to them when they get treated with radiation. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's because just the word radiation, right? People just think of all these different things it is, but they don't in particular think about what, how we really use it. And it's quite different. 
it's quite different. And so you mentioned uh, swallowing radiation, and that's for what, thyroid cancer? That would be the most common type, yes. That's fascinating. So, you know, you have a, a, a solid organ in your body and that we, we as in medicine have created a way to deliver something that can kill this cancer that goes throughout the body and really focuses just on where that, 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 that chemical gets concentrated. Right. In particular, that would be for thyroid, be iodine type uptake. But uh, even for other types of things, we use for prostate cancer now, you know, there's a lot of uh, studies and you'll see ads out there for um, some medicines where you they inject some uh, radioactive material and it's specific for prostate cancer as well. Talked about this ligand therapy, PSMA ligand therapy that's mm-hmm. coming out where it takes some radiation, radioactive particle and puts it on a on something that can find prostate cancer cells throughout the body. It seems like a like this idea of targeted radiation is so opposite to people's view of what radiation is, which is just like this scatter thing where you just kind of sit in this box of light and get kind of soaked with radiation. Yeah, com- completely different. So in prostate, you, you guys have been doing uh, localized radiation therapy for many years, and I, I'm going to talk about seed therapy. Now, a brachytherapy, which is also kind of radioactive seeds, what, what's happening? What, what, what type of patients are good candidates for seed therapy? And, and, and is, it, is it more or less common today than it was in the past? Uh, I think if you look at the numbers, it's, it's less common these days because of some other things that we're doing. But uh, it's basically this idea of having these radioactive you know, seeds, we call them, um, implanted into the prostate. And they very eminent just to emanate just a very few millimeters and so the idea of um, implanting it in there is you get high dose of radiation which pretty much stays for the most part confined in the prostate and that's the idea behind it so the ideal candidate would be someone who has a disease that we you know typically think is pretty limited to the prostate um, you wouldn't be using it as much in someone where you know there's disease outside the prostate or maybe uh, if it's outside of the prostate even as far as the lymph nodes for example you wouldn't just do brachytherapy. So uh, this type of brachytherapy is more appealing for some men over the standard therapy of going and getting the radiation from the outside. What are some benefits that somebody could expect from the seed therapy over the external beam? When it was a lot of the data looking at it, because you know, most of the stuff was done, um, it's, it's been around for you know, well over 30 years now. So, but if you compared a lot of the studies looking at brachytherapy versus external beam radiation treatments uh, back in that area also very different than it is now uh, but even surgery a lot of the studies actually suggested it had some of the best quality of life outcomes in terms of you know erectile function preservation um, urinary continence those type of things so there are, there is for the well selected patient uh, still a good role for using brachytherapy so um uh i think that the time it takes is also a component too because you put the seeds in in one day where a prolonged course of external beam can take up to 45 days, right? That, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I think for um, some individuals that makes a huge difference for them, especially if they're in, in communities outside where you know, they can't get to a typical radiation center and, and go for several yeah, weeks. Yeah, if you're driving an hour in, it's going to be hard to come, come in. But, yeah. but nowadays we have a solution where you can get the external beam radiation therapy done in a shorter time period. Maybe you could briefly talk about what that is and and uh, what are the trade-offs of that? Yeah, so the evolution of how we, you know, a lot of how we've changed this has been based on, you know, computers, really. It, we didn't have computers and the ability to do these all these calculations and kind of delivery methods of treatment, imaging every day to kind of target the prostate. Um, you know, we couldn't do what we do today, for example. So that's where things have really evolved, where we are 
you know, taking pictures every day of that prostate, really being, you know, right on target. And so what that's done is, is pushed the number of treatments down and uh, so much to the point where now we can even, in, in some cases, do it as little as five treatments. Uh, that's something called SBRT, uh, stereotactic body radiation. And so, um, you know, that's more what we call like brachy-like in a sense, uh, is that it's a lot less treatments. We think it's highly focused, more like the seeds, for example. Um, and, you know, not, not everyone's a candidate for that, as you know, for like anything else, but most people are. And in general, you know, it's been, we've been able to migrate from nine weeks of treatment down to even little as five treatments. Because I think a lot of patients that I will talk to and recommend radiation therapy, this idea of being kind of tied up with your cancer care for nine weeks is pretty daunting. Yeah. And uh, if to be able to offer something that's uh, uh, more, uh, that's quicker and just as effective, maybe very uh, appealing to some people. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've gotten people from, from all over the state, even, you know, I've treated people outside of the state as well, and it's easy to come for a week and a half. It's, it's almost impossible unless you have family or someone close by to come for eight or nine weeks. It's pretty hard to do that. Um, but, you know, not, in addition to the convenience benefit, there are some theoretical advantages it being more um, efficacious as well, at least, you know, better at curing the cancer in particular. So there are definitely a lot of benefits to it. Um, at the very least, most studies, you know, looking at this about 15 years out now, suggest that at the very least they're at least equivalent. Well, Doug, thank you so much. This is Dr. Douglas Rivera, radiation oncologist, talking to us about radiation therapy and, uh, and urologic conditions. Uh, after a short break, we're going to come back and talk about kind of side effects of radiation that people can expect. We can talk a little bit about hormone therapy and how that interacts with radiation therapy. And thank you so much for joining us today. How do people get a hold of you, Doug? Call me at 512-531-5200 and uh, look me up at Austin Cancer Center. Dr. Douglas Rivera. I feel like that was his mobile phone number. Yes. <laughs> just hit just Text hit me. just hit me up on my Snapchat. <laughs> Not on Tinder. Uh, awesome. You can reach us at 512-238-0762 and our website's armormenshealth.com. And um, you can check out our podcasts wherever you listen to free podcasts. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host today. I'm a board-certified urologist, a men's health expert, and founder of NAU Urology Specialist. It's a comprehensive men's wellness and urologic care facility. I'm joined by the person really responsible for making this show a success and helping our practice grow so greatly, Ms. Donna Lee. That's right. Welcome back to our show, everybody. I am... Dr. Donna. Dr. Donna is not what she is. She is certifiable. She's a stand-up comedian. She just recently did a show. We can't wait to see her back on stage. Right. And maybe so one of these days I will do a stand-up comedy routine You myself. should. We'll do a little show together. That'll be fun. I think the listeners would enjoy that. That woman in the back cowering is my wife, everybody. Thank you. We are joined once again by Dr. Doug Rivera, Austin Cancer Center. He is our preferred radiation oncologist for our practice. So if you are a prostate cancer, bladder cancer, or a testis cancer patient in our practice, you're more than likely going to be referred to Dr. Rivera if we think that you need radiation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Doug. Thank you very much. You're our favorite because you're incredibly thorough, calm, well-demeanored, and you don't try to take the limelight for me, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm blushing right now. I can't see it. <laughs> he'll give you, he'll give you his is. phone number to text later. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's very personable. When people are looking at getting radiation therapy, we in our previous segment, we talked about different forms of radiation therapy, specifically for prostate cancer. An area that I come up to kind of butt heads, not butt heads, but kind of have a difference of opinion, is the role that hormone ablation therapy in 
patients that are going to go through radiation and, and how those play together. Because, because we give so much testosterone in our clinic, we know the benefits to muscle mass, energy, mood, sexual function, sexual libido. And then when we're about to send a patient with prostate cancer to a radiation oncologist, oftentimes the first thing they want to do is give them a drug to take away all their testosterone <laughs> so that the radiation works better. Maybe you can speak to kind of where did that thinking come into play and how big of a role does hormone ablation therapy play in uh, making radiation better? Yeah, that's an awful conversation. You know, you say, I'm going to give you a medicine that's going to take away your all testosterone. All your testosterone. <laughs> Good luck. <yeah>. You're going <laughs> to love it. It's going to yeah. be great. <laughs> a lot of that stuff comes from the fact that we know when people have advanced prostate cancer, when I say advanced, I mean it's gone outside, you know, to the bones and other parts of the body, which unfortunately does happen. The first thing we do is we put them on that medicine. And we know that, you know, many decades ago, we would cut someone's testicles, testicles off. off. Sounds yes. terrible. Yeah. That's what you would do. And you would decrease their testosterone and their prostate cancer would kind of shrink and go away. With knowing that, we use it with radiation for lots of folks. And the idea in particular, primarily, is actually to reduce the fact that the chance of it taking up shop elsewhere outside the prostate. We think there's some synergy in the prostate, but we think it also, most of it probably works for letting it take up shop elsewhere. That's why we've done that. The, the trials have been done showing there's a benefit to it. But I'll tell you, though, in my practice, um, what I do is that that's an old way of thinking about things. You know, you do lots of stuff we do in medicine. You'll see it. Put them on because we know that 10 people out of 100 are going to benefit from it. The other way to, to look at that is that it means there's a lot of people we treat that don't really that need That means it. there's 90 people that had like a worse, worse afternoon because of something that we were doing for the 10. And yeah. because we're doctors, we're overly conservative and we want to give everybody the greatest chance to survive their cancer that we can. And so sometimes we may recommend things that, that, that cause people to not benefit as, as fully. So an individualized treatment, I think we would both agree is so important and a conversation with those patients is so important. Yeah, that's right. And, then, and now there's a few different, these, you know, what we call genomic profiling tests or genomic classifier tests, they call them. What those are is we take your uh, tumor that you've had from a biopsy that the urologist gets that you would get, Dr. Mystery, right? And we send it off to a lab and they look at the genes in there and they try to match based on patients with known outcomes before um, if they have the same type of genes. And that kind of helps me figure out the people I truly feel like are going to benefit from the hormone therapy. And you'd be surprised. Like, I've seen tests where um, they were supposed to be, you know, have a somewhat aggressive cancer, but, boy, their genetics are saying they have a very aggressive cancer. And that way, I really that, I feel more comfortable saying, hey, you do need to be on that medicine. And then others were, um, it may say the opposite, where it's like your risk is actually pretty low, even though under the microscope it looks like this, genetically, not very aggressive. And so those type of people, I don't give hormone therapy to. It, it's such a great like notion that we talk about a lot on this show, is this idea that if you go to a doctor that treats you like you're just a piece of cookie dough, and uses the same cookie cutter on you every time, you may not be getting the kind of care that you need. And we are in a new era of medicine when it comes to personalized, digitized, molecularized medicine. And it's going to get better and better and better and better. And if you're going to someone who did the same thing for your dad and your uncle and your brother, every time you're going to get the same type of templated therapy, then I think that you might be selling yourself short. And the same is true of radiation therapy. But that can be hard with cancer, right? Because people are so emotional. The, the wife is crying that she wants you to do everything to save him. The guy's like, please don't take away my erections. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it can be a really emotional time. It, it definitely can. And, and I think you touched on a lot of points, and I think that's what you, know, you and I like to really focus on, right, is that's the idea we're going to um, really look at the whole person, figure out, you know, how to do it the right way because you don't always do everything the same way. Now, some things you do. I mean, there's a lot of uh, benefit to repetition, as you know, as a surgeon. Um, but that's just those other things you're tailing for the individual patient because not everyone's prostate cancer, you know, is the same. There's going to be some that are caught much more earlier, others that are going to be far, far more advanced, and some folks that have much more aggressive cancer and those that don't have very aggressive cancer at all. 
We have a lot of our patients that focus on the Gleason score, and that's how it looks under the microscope. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And the, the worse it looks under the microscope, usually the worse that it's going to act in, 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 in true life. And, but what we're saying is that now we can even do more advanced molecular tests. We can look beyond just what somebody's eyes see on the microscope down to the real genes that are turned on and turned off yeah. inside that cancer to give you better advice. So when somebody ultimately does go through radiation therapy, um, does it burn? Does it hurt? Like, do they lose their hair? These are, the, these are the things I hear all the time. What are the common things that people can usually expect to feel through uh, either external beam radiation or SBRT for prostate cancer, and then what are some of the things that you really worry about happening? Yeah, th I think some of the you know questions that I get you know often is, am I going to lose my hair? Am I going to have skin burning on the outside? Um, am I going to be able to be around my family? Right. So all those things um, don't apply for prostate radiation. Typically, you know, you don't lose your hair at all. Um, we're focusing in the, the pelvic area. You don't have any skin burns on the outside. And unless you're doing the thing we talked about before, brachytherapy, which is a C's, um, you don't have any radioactivity in your body whatsoever, so you don't have any exposure to anybody, no risk to anybody. Um, in general, what I say for most of the radiation we're doing, we're treating the prostate. You know, the way that radiation works in part is to kind of invoke the immune system, and, and it does kill some cancer cells because they're rapidly dividing, and that's how, how it, it kills them. Um, but people can expect simple, something similar to mild prostate inflammation, you know, not, not an infection because there's no bacteria in there necessarily, but so a little swollen prostate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's typically what it is. Right. So there, uh, initially you, you don't feel anything and kind of builds up and then, you know, you get some of those symptoms where you maybe peel more often, maybe get kind of the urge to go, maybe waking up more at night. But in general, once you're done, those, that inflammatory kind of process goes away. And that's a good point. So in our clinic, uh, when we are sending a patient for radiation therapy, we want to make sure that they don't have any existing BPH or an enlarged prostate symptoms. So frequently, as you're uh, undoubtedly aware, you'll see me do surgery to get rid of their enlarged prostate before they go through radiation so that the radiation doesn't, doesn't lead to it. So it's really a very collaborative approach between the urologist and the radiation oncologist. It's not like if I say the patient's going to get radiation, I just throw them to you and they're gone from me forever. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there, there are so many things that we need to consider bef you know, before treatment, after treatment, and it really is a collaborative approach to kind of follow uh, the patients to make sure not only are they cured, number one, but number two, um, to minimize any potential side effects for them. So if you're going to advise a patient that was recently diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, what kinds of things should they have heard about from their radiation oncologist? How do they judge whether they got good advice? What, what are some like key high points that you think that everybody should leave an appointment with you? Well, I think they should know where they are on the, the spectrum of prostate cancer in terms of how advanced it is, right? That's going to deem um, what their prognosis is. So they need to know like what their chances of it coming back are, what the chances are there. This could affect their overall life expectancy. Uh, number two, um, you want to see someone that has uh, experience with all the different modalities of treatment, whether that's brachytherapy, whether that's um, SBRT, or we, we use something called CyberKnife, whether that's external radiation. Because if you only have one tool, that's all you can ever use. That's right. Everybody looks like a nail. Yeah. Um, and then also um, knowing that there are other options. You know, we, you, you, a lot of the things you do, surgery, high food, things like that, um, radiation oncologists should be well-versed enough to know that those are also acceptable treatments. I think that's really great. You know, making sure that your radiation oncologist and your surgeon can do multiple different things and that you're not just 
one more kind of uh, uh, that, that they, they only have one tool that they can use, and then everybody's going to feel like they fit right into that, that uh, in, into that uh, that algorithm. Yep. Uh, Dr. Rivera, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm just an incredible service that we're doing to our patients, and we really appreciate you servicing our patients. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, you look at me up at Austin Cancer Centers. Uh, number is 512-531-5200. And we really appreciate you taking care of our patients. Donna, how do people send us questions or get a hold of Dr. Rivera through us? That's right. You can reach out to us at armormenshealth.com where there's a little button. You can submit a question. You can call us during the week at 512-238-0762 and check out our podcast wherever you listen to free podcasts. The Armor Men's Health Show is brought to you by NAU Urology Specialists. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762 or online at armormenshealth.com. 